G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor, coming to you from Lockdown Central in my studio in northwest Sydney, and I'm sitting here all alone because, Hunty... Yeah, mate. Where are you? I'm in my studio, locked down as well, all alone. <laughs> kind of a bit like last week, isn't it? It is. You're a, uh, what, kilometre and a half, I reckon? 1.9, as the crow flies. As the crow flies. About, mm. what, two, two and a half yeah. k's if we've got to yep. walk or ride as you twist around on the roads. That's but it. somehow the Lord's blessed us. Indeed. He's been with us and he has been ensuring that this program goes out. And That's you know right. what? I'm Mr. Sad today. Oh, why are you sad? You wouldn't believe it. Last last year, two thousand twenty, when we got uh, the pandemic come through the first, the pa- when we when we had the pandemic come through the first time. Yep, I got sick. I remember. You remember? I remember. Man, I gone and got you, the flu again. Oh dear! You, you thought you had COVID last year. <laughs> I had to go and have a COVID <laughs> test. Yeah, me too. Sabbath morning, actually. Oh really? Um, yeah, yeah, just to make sure I didn't have COVID this time. I don't, I just have man flu, which for the listeners oh. out there is one of the most painful oh. experiences a man can have, only ever equated to, what, for a woman childbirth. I think if they, they, they can, <laughs> they can kind of, uh, sympathize where we're at if, if you've had children, ladies. Otherwise, it's a very, very painful experience. It is. It My is. nose is all blocked. I got an itchy, scratchy, throat but fortunately hasn't gone down to my lungs so that's good i'm not too bad really but it is a miserable experience the flu isn't it and you know what i got the flu injection this year hunty yes you were quite uh, vocal about that well you know who i'm blaming for this flu virus don't you who's that who do you think oh so you found you found a way to blame me (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you got it, mate. It's it's got to be Hunty's fault because I've seen nobody else since June twenty eighth. So I'm blaming Hunty. Oh, look, I just hope and pray wherever you are, our listeners out there today, that you are healthy, that you're feeling good, that you're positive. As you, I know that probably uh, what a third of Australia or more are locked down, Hunty. I'm not That's sure right. how many. Yeah, millions of us are locked down. Well, Victoria came out last week. Uh, Sydney, we haven't changed. We're still locked down. If anything, the, the lockdowns got tighter. And yep. I think Queensland's, their lockdown's tightening now too as more and more people come down yep. with this awful Delta virus. But wherever you are, listeners, we want to welcome you. We're praying that you're healthy, well, and in a positive state of mind. Good program today, Humphy. We have a great program lined up. We've mm, got, what um, have we got coming up? We've got one of our usuals, one of our awesome segments from Pastor Harold Harker. Mm. He's going to actually be talking about one of the most powerful stories I think I've ever heard come out of the Protestant Reformation. This one is a beauty. Wow. And we've got um, a great guy named Brad Kemp who's had a very interesting life who who I hope when we get to interview him will tell us about the times that Jesus has saved him in times of peril. Actually, more than that, he works with us in media. He does. Uh, in television especially. We, we work in with Brad Camp and the department. He works with quite closely. Yep. yep. We're very appreciative to have him. And uh, lots of other good things, good music, uh, yep. some great Bible the studies. Bible We're studies. glad you're here. Yep. Welcome. It's going to be a fabulous time the next two hours. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Actually, Hunty, it's pretty hard uh, when it comes to the news cycle to go past two 
big events at the moment. One is the Olympic Games. Yep. Have you been watching the Olympic Games? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Love yeah, the I, fact I, that we're, we're hitting way above our, our weight class. Well, what's important to me is that we get more gold medals than the Kiwis. Oh, which we're if, doing. If, yeah, if that happens, <laughs> I'm always going to be a happy man. Uh, having been brought up in New Zealand, it's always very, very precious thing to me if we're getting more gold medals than the Kiwis. That's but the it. other one, Love which it. just doesn't seem to go away, is COVID-19. Oh, exactly. It just keeps going and going. I was reading in the paper yesterday, actually, that there's another variant come out. Did you know that? Oh, From really? South America, which is supposed to be more virulent and more deadly than the current Delta one. Hmm. So you just wonder where, where this is all going to end up uh, and, and how it's going to go. I, I thought, to my, you know, just we might talk about it just a little bit again today, sure. only because it's so relevant and current to all of us. In fact, there's very few of us now who don't know somebody who's got COVID-19 or had COVID-19. Many of us uh, know people who have died of COVID-19. And if you like me, Hunty, I've even got relatives that have passed on, oh, passed away from COVID-19, all on my wife's side. But very, very sad. And so I want to talk about COVID-19 just a little bit. But before we get going into it, Hunty, when we were talking about this earlier on, you were telling me you've got some very interesting facts about COVID-19. You want I to share do. them with us? Um, New South Wales Health Department came out the other day and they said, uh, they gave us the statistics as to what age groups are now being hit the hardest. Mm. I've also mm. got another cool fact, which I'll read to you as well. In New South Wales right now, of all the people who have got COVID caught COVID, in hospital with COVID or ICU or on a ventilator, only 1% of them are vaccinated and the only person in ICU was only just recently vaccinated and hasn't had their second shot. So it's looking oh, like the vaccine is doing its thing. So here's the numbers I've got that are interesting. This is by age in the last two weeks. So we've actually got... So, so these are people you're about to share with us uh-huh. who has actually got COVID, what age group? Yeah, yeah, who's got COVID by what yeah, age okay. group in New South Wales. Yeah, so I'm interested. Zero to nine, which really surprises me, 26 in the last 24 hours, but in the last two weeks, 188 zero to wow. nine-year-olds. Um, 10 to 19 is uh, 270. 20 to 29, this is the surprising number to me because I thought these were the strong, healthy ones, 394. Wow, wow. to 39, 359. Then it starts to drop off. 40 to 49 is 197. 50 to 60 is 247. 60 to 70 is 117. 70 to 80 is 51. So it looks like our age group, the oldies, 50 pluses, are staying indoors, hand sanitising, getting vaccinated and behaving. It looks like the 20s to 40s are the ones now who are infected the most. So... I wonder what to read out of these statistics. What do you think, uh, Lloyd? Uh, I, I think what I can read out of those statistics is whatever age group you are, we need to be careful. Actually, I wanted to share with you, Hunty, yep. just for a little bit today, why I chose to get the jab. Now, I want to say right from the start, I'm, I, I'm actually pro-choice. Does that make sense, yeah, Hunty? Me, me too. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone should be made to put anything in their body that they don't want to. Correct. I think that's a human right. Yep. But I chose to get the jab, and I want to just share with... Tell me what you think of these... These reasons, whether they make sense, Hunty. Um, 
Number one, the history of vaccines. I'm actually, I, I don't know whether you know this, certainly our listeners probably don't, but I did a degree in history at university. Wow. So I'm always very interested in history. So I went back and had a look at the history of the vaccines. Vaccines have been very effective in wiping out some pretty serious diseases and viruses that have afflicted the planet for hundreds of years and killed millions, perhaps billions of people. So Do you know that, Hunty? Yeah, very true. Yep. Uh, I mean, have you ever heard of smallpox? Yes, Polio, yes. Measles, yes. Mumps, yes. Rubella, tetanus, yep. all wiped out by the vaccine. So that's the first reason I got the vaccine is history. Awesome. The second reason is this: maths. And I was never good at maths. I failed maths, but I'm good enough to get this maths. If you go and take, I mean, what's the vaccine in Australia that no one wants to take? AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca. So I, mean, if you I, don't, take know, I don't know why not, because most of the the whole of the UK has been done with it, and they've. Their success rates are brilliant. Sorry. Well, if you, if you go, no, 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 cool. If you go and take the AstraZeneca vaccine, you've got a one in two million chance of dying. Correct. The maths is not bad. And in fact, if you compare that to other vaccines, this is actually AstraZeneca is a very strong vaccine. Uh, there's a lot more chance of me dying going and having an operation than there is of getting AstraZeneca. In fact, you remember when I had an operation a few years ago, hunting on my leg? Yep. I got my knee replaced. You know, you go and you can have reactions to the drugs they give you in there. In fact, there's not a vaccine or drug ever invented where someone didn't have a reaction. You know that, don't you? Yep. So I go and get my leg, uh, my knee replaced. When I woke up from the anaesthetic, I couldn't stand up for a couple of days because I had a, an adverse reaction to the anaesthetic. Yep. Well, because I had that adverse reaction to the anaesthetic, I don't go and tell everybody, well, don't go and have an operation. That's right. I just recognise that... There is a chance whenever I take some sort of vaccine or anaesthetic that I might have a, a reaction to it. And here you have AstraZeneca. It's one in two million. You get that, Hunty? I've actually got some other cool numbers, if, you, if you're interested, that just came out of the New South Wales Health Department a few minutes ago. And this is by age group. If you're 50 years old, the chances of you dying of COVID in New South Wales are one in five. Oh, I'm going to go to that. Are you taking my oh, thunder here? Oh, do you have that? Oh. <laughs> go on, come on. No. Let's go. Go, go. Oh, no, I'll, no. I'll, I'll see insist. where you're going with this. No, I insist. Go, <laughs> okay, go, go, okay, go. Fine. Well, yeah, so I was just reading that uh, if you're 75, it's one in 10, and if you're 60, it's one in 200. So our age group, 50-ish, um, one in 500 if we catch COVID, as opposed to one in 2 million if we get vaccinated. Which They're we good are. odds, aren't they? Which we are, both of us. Actually, if, if you come to Australia, for every 100 people that get COVID, what is it, one in 100 right across the die, something like that, 1%? Yeah, yeah, across the board, yeah. Which, is, one in which is not a lot. Yep. But let's go to the AstraZeneca. If I take the AstraZeneca vaccine, what's my chance of dying? One in two million. Yep. If I take the – if I get COVID – Yep. My chances of dying are what? Well, 1%? According, according, yep, well, 1%. 1%. Yep. So, so instead of a chance with the, with, with the vaccine of 1 in 2 million, I've got a 20,000 20, out of 2 million chance of dying of COVID if I get it. That's that 1%, hunty. Yep. Every 2 million people at 1%, 20,000 die. I think that's big. Brilliant. The other one, you, my third one is, and you've spoken about it, is, is it protects us. Yes. I mean, I, I was interested, and you just gave us some figures before. In England, you know, they've had a resurgence of the virus over there. Yep. Did you know that of those going to hospital, out of every 200 that die, only one has been vaccinated? Correct. There's 1%. The rest, less. it's it, right now in England, it is, uh, it, it's less than 1%. It's 0.5 of 1%, or half of 1%. Wow. 
Right now in England, uh, they are having a, a an awful time with COVID and it is the unvaccinated who are suffering. And it's the same in the United States of America. Yes. Figures that have just come out yes. in the last day or two. Of every 100 per- people that die in hospital from COVID-19, only one has been vaccinated. That's right. The rest were unvaccinated. This now has become a virus of the unvaccinated. So, so number one, there's history. Number two, there's maths. Number three, there's my protection. Number four, uh, uh, some of the facts. Here's some of the facts of it. Uh, if, if I get the vaccine, I know, Hunty, that I'm not completely protected. That's right. I get that. Yep. It's a vaccine. Yep. They never developed a vaccine. It's 100%. And I get that if I get the vaccine, I can still spread it. Yes. So when people say to you, oh, if you get the vaccine, you can still die from COVID-19, are they right? Sure. Yeah. Can you still spread it? Yes. Yeah. Well, why get it? Because it stacks the cards in your favour. I mean, why have a car with airbags and seatbelts? Yeah. Does a seatbelt save you? No. Does an airbag save you? No. But why do we take these precautions? Because they add up. If you're going down to bat... Uh, to war against other countries. It's nice that other country is going to go to war with you a year or so in advance so you can get ready, and that's what a vaccine does. The vaccine gets your body ready for COVID when it comes. You've got troops that recognise the enemy and are able to kill it. That's what the vaccine does. Yes. Uh, and, you know, what I think really comes down to is trust. We've got to trust. We've got to trust others more than we do about this. I mean, these guys who are developing the vaccine are scientists, pharmacologists of the highest order. Yep. They have studied years and years and years. When you get on an aeroplane, do you trust the pilot? I have to. Otherwise, I couldn't yeah. get on board. What about when you go and buy a, a, a can of cream corn? Do you trust the person who produced it or, or, or a packet of wheat picks? Do you trust them? Mm, good point, Yes. Or what about when you get in your car? Do you trust that the Jeep? Now, maybe you've got some reason not to trust because it is a Jeep. But <laughs> <laughs> do you trust? Do you trust that uh, Jeep that was made in the United States of America? Do you trust that the 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 men and women who made that car made it so that it stopped when you put the brakes that's on? That's it. I do trust that. We we have a civilization that's based on trust. Yep. And if we can't trust our scientists and our pharmacologists and our doctors and even our governments, well, then we've got a civilization that's breaking down. Yeah, true. You know what, Hunty? We can't talk about this forever because we've got other things to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we do. That's true. But, 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 I, but, but I think that nevertheless, despite all these facts, and I do encourage openly people to go and get the vaccine. Yep. Uh, I, I think it stacks the cards in your favour. But it is your choice, and we've got to recognise that. We've yep. got to recognise that. It is your choice. Yep. And ultimately, if you really want to escape what's going on down here, because this fact, this, this virus keeps uh, mutating, Hunty. Yeah. The vaccines are hard-pressed to keep up with it because it mutates. If you really want to escape the virus down here, you know what you need to do? I do. You need to look, look up, up to the east because Jesus will be soon to arrive. He is coming again. And when Jesus comes again... Only then for sure will you be able to escape what's going on down here with all the misery, the anxiety and the fear. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. 
Uh, it's an interesting subject, that one, isn't it, Hunty? It is, it is. Oh, I know, it gets people's passions Yep. Up, yep. <laughs> They'll be texting us shortly. <laughs> Look, the, the bottom line is you've got to give, we've got to give each other room to have a view and an opinion on this too. That's right. It's, it's not a, it's not one of those decisions you make and, oh, if you, you know, you know, it's not a, it's not an eternal life or, or, or not decision it's it's something we've got to give people room to to maneuver on and we've got to respect each other's views on it i've got some good friends even family who are very as you know auntie mm. are very anti-vax hey yep, time to move too. to a song yep, this is a good song i like this song this is by the bessie choir who's one of our adventist filipino choirs coming out of the philippines and they sing beautifully i want jesus i want jesus i want jesus more than anything
Kemp to our program today. Welcome. Thanks, Lloyd. Now, you've got a, a pretty important job, and it's one that's close to my own heart. You're into media. In fact, you lead the media ministry of the Adventist Church in, in where? For the South Pacific, Lloyd, and it's a bit of a surprise that I'm here, but uh, this is where the Lord's put me, so we do our best. Well, maybe we'll go on that journey a little bit with you today. Where, where were you born and where were you brought up? Yeah, um, I was born in Brisbane, so that makes me a... Uh, What's a, a maroon supporter? Yeah, you've just gone right up in my in my estimations there, <laughs> being a, a fellow Queenslander. And Hunty, the producer sitting here, we're giving us a thumbs down, 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 <laughs> down in mine. <laughs> yeah, told you, Hunty. Yeah, but my father's a West Aussie, so he's a sand groper. So um, when I was five, we moved across to Perth. Okay, and that. That's where I spent my formative years, education, school, and so forth. Did you meet your wife over there? No, no. Okay. Uh, I was in Perth till probably 21 uh, when I went across then to Avondale College to study for ministry. Oh, okay. What what so, what what called you to ministry? Uh, uh, well, even before we go there, before you went to ministry, what were you doing between school and that? moved to Avondale, and for our listeners, just so they know, Avondale is the Adventist tertiary, is, is that how you'd call it, Brad? Yeah. Um, higher education. Yeah. University, I think it is now, or a college university. Um, university. Yeah, but before you got there, just tell us, between 18 and 21, what were you doing? Look, when I finished high school, I went out uh, knocking on doors to get a job, Yeah, and uh, I got a job with Telecom. Wow. called Telecom those days. Yeah. I worked in their office, in their um, sales area, then in their accounts area. I worked in a depot for a while. Um, so while I was there, um, you know, strong conviction that ministry is where I should be. Yeah. Don't know what, but that was a really strong conviction. And the interesting thing was, um, you know, while I was grappling with this, um, some guys from Avondale and the conference said, anyone interested in ministry, we're going to have a meeting. Come and come and sit in on it. So I went in and I thought I'd better give it a go. And so I went to this meeting and the interesting thing is as I was sitting there listening, um, one of the people who was sharing their call to ministry yeah. um, described what I was going through, you know, to a T and I, and I got really convicted that, you know, this is where I should be. So when I graduated from Avondale, um, I got called back to Perth, which was a bit of a worry because, you know, they're not really welcome in their own home. But it was a good move. You know, yeah. it, it, well, family was there. Um, I had, you know, a couple of coastal churches. Interesting, I was pastor of Fremantle Church when they ran the America's Cup there with Dennis Connor. Ah, yeah. So, so you, you, you said you, you were in Perth or, or you are in, in West Australia, then you headed up to New Guinea. That must have been interesting. Look, it was. It was. And just, just the whole process of getting there was fascinating because, um, oh, what was it? I, I'd been watching on television back in Easter of 88 and I saw this... Um, this tragic scene where where an Adventist missionary had been shot and killed. Yeah. Uh, Peter Canopper. Yeah. As I'm watching that, um, I have this really strong impression, almost a voice says to me, you're going to go and replace him. 
Wow. And, and it really knocked me across the room. I thought, oh, man. I didn't never told my wife. Yeah. That, that might be a story it. you wouldn't want to tell her. That's right. So I just kept it to myself. Well, that was in Easter. I think it was in September, October that year, we get a phone call from um, the powers to be that appoints people to go yeah. to the Pacific. Yep. They asked me, we want you to go to PNG to replace Peter Canopper. And my wife's there and she looks at me and she says, that's a call to the, the islands, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we sat down and she said, you know, for the last month or so, I've had this impression we're going to get called to the islands. Yeah. You know, each of us had our own experience. It still, still took us a week to make a decision. We yeah. wrestled with it and we eventually said to ourselves, we looked at each other and said, what are we doing? We're both convinced that's where we should go. Yeah. And so we'd said, yes, uh, we'll go to the Pacific. And you actually so we did replace that guy who died? Yeah, we thought we went to, to Garoka. What, what were you doing in Garoka? Uh, I, I had two roles. I had what was called the role of an area supervisor, which looked over or cared for a, a district of about 10,000 members. Wow. And, and I ran the, the lay training school for the mission. What was life so they, up there? What was it like up there? Adventurous. Um, it's called the land of the unexpected for a reason because yeah. you never know what happen. But it's also, um, you know, the people, very friendly. Uh, we, we made some really good friends up there. Um, we enjoyed ministering um, in PNG. Um, you know, the church members are great people. Is, you were there, did you say, for how many years? Twelve years. Um, how did your wife find it up there? And were your children with you, or was it just you and your wife? Uh, it started with me and my wife, but uh, uh, we had our children while we were up there. So they're New well, Guinea, they're, they're Papua New Guinea kids. Well, sort of, mind <laughs> you. We, they were born in Sydney Adventist Hospital, oh, okay. but two weeks old, they were back up there. Did anything ever happen while you were there? Any stories where, where you did get yourself well, into a dangerous place? And You know, I, I was... Well, put it this way, I was down visiting in Port Moresby with some missionaries and that night they were broken into. Um, they had a gun at my head. I was tied up and gagged and told if I moved, they'd shoot me. That's not very nice. That would be a very scary situation, actually. It um, was. Um, and there's a lot more that took place, which I won't go into. Yeah, um, yeah. In LA, we got broken into it a few times. We knew, we know that they came into our bedroom while we slept because stuff was taken. Yes. But, you know, the Lord did protect us. Um, none of us were harmed. While we know of others, you know, in the community were harmed, we, we were, I believe, protected. Is there an answer for PNG? One of the answers, I think, is the church. Yeah. Because one of the things I found was that particularly young guys, if they invested in the church, whether it be a Pathfinder club yeah. or a youth club or whether it be evangelism, um, if they invested in that, it would give them purpose and identity. And so living for that higher purpose makes a difference. So you, you, you leave PNG, what then? I think, you know, it seems like almost every five years a significant shift. Yeah. Uh, but this one was eight years before the next change, which was uh, asked to go to New Zealand to oversee the church's operation across New Zealand and half the Pacific. That would be a very interesting job. 
artwork it was. It was. And it was there that I actually was introduced to media. So, look, I'd been in uh, New Zealand probably for about six months. And one of the things that used to impress me as I, I travelled to New Zealand, because we didn't move there straight away, we moved there um, early in 2014. Yep. But I, I used to ask myself the question, how do you get the gospel into the homes of people? And one of the experiences I had was I was sitting in a hotel room once and onto the television came this ad for an insurance company which says, we don't come to your doors anymore. I thought, goodness, what's that saying? Mm. Um, And it's really reflecting culture which says, um, you know, a culture doesn't want to be interrupted by hawkers or salespeople or even religious people at their doors. Yeah. And so, well, how do you do it? And it just struck me that media was, was the way of getting into homes. It got through past doors, it got into lounge rooms, etc. And then came the opportunity to, to do television. Um, we actually, I actually had a, a small group of people come and sit down with and say, have you thought about tele- television? So I put a small group together to research it. And what we discovered was that we could do nationwide television 24-7 for an, a, a, you know, a broadcast cost of under a million dollars a year. So we put together, you know, the groups that were needed to set this up, do all the research. It probably took us 12 months to pull it all together. Um, cause, you know, once you start television, it, it is a hungry beast. Oh, it is. We did a lot of pre-work. We did, um, you know, got a launch done, um, built our station idents and fillers and, and whatnot. So that we created a uniquely New Zealand television Christian channel. And that's still going today. An interesting thing is that after we've been operating for about, um, oh, 12 months, we had an audience of around 200,000 people. What's it called? Hope Channel. Hope Channel. Okay. Yeah, Hope uh, Channel, because it's about bringing hope to communities and families. It's, it's really a Christian lifestyle channel. So, so it talks about health, and it talks about relationships, and it talks about spirituality and, and those kinds of things. So you got that channel up and running, and I know it's made a, a big difference to New Zealand. I've actually heard some great stories out of there. But you come back to yeah. Australia in a different but a very similar role in some ways. So tell us, who is Adventist Media? Yeah, Adventist Media's had quite a journey. It started back in the late 1800s as a, I guess, a printing press yeah. because print was the cutting-edge technology back late 1800s, but then over time as new technologies came on board, Adventist, the Adventist Church developed a media arm that, that took on these new technologies. So radio came in the 1920s, um, then there was television, I think, in the 1950s and 60s, um, and now we're into social media. And at each new stage with digital and social and television, etc. Um, we've been at the cutting edge creating resources to assist the church with its work of evangelism. Now, putting that all together, Lloyd, Adventist media actually comprises a whole lot of things. Mm. So anything to do with media really sits 
with Adventist media. So whether it be print, um, so we produce magazines like Signs of the Times and, and an in-house magazine called Record. We produce um, video, um, so we have a production unit that, that makes programs that go on television or YouTube or, or Facebook. Um, we have a marketing um, and sales area because we print books, but we also are responsible for selling those books. Mm, mm. And so all the literature ministry part of the church fits with Adventist media. Mm. Um, and then we have a Bible school. Mm. So you do all this media stuff, but where does it go? So if someone sees something on television or reads something and they want to learn more, where do they go? Mm, How mm. do they find extra, you know, more material? So our Bible school serves that purpose. Mm. as the next step and saying if you want to learn more um, come online to the Bible school and, and we've got a course that you might be interested in mm. or, or a program that will help you to learn more about this particular topic that you're interested in. Is it making a difference? Oh, it's huge. Um, I, I could share stories of people who, you know, just turn their television sets on and, and miraculously land on this this station and it just answers the question that's in their mind right at that time and it blows them away to think hey that's what i was looking for and here it was the answer came yeah yeah is there, is there any chance here in australia that you will be able to develop a 24 7 television station like you have, like you did in New Zealand. And I, I was just wondering that because I'm an Aussie and this, this program goes around yep. Australia. I'm just wondering, is there any hope, any future for that, or is it just too hard? Look, at the moment, the answer is no. Um, I've contacted the, the different um, people who own the channels and yeah. there's just, it's no, nothing free. Um, they told me there's none available, neither rural or, or urban. They're all taken. It's really brings into sharp contrast the New Zealand experience and how blessed we were over there to be able to do that. That's right. So, look, it was a window of opportunity that opened up and we took it and the Lord's blessed because of it. The future. It's important. What's your vision for the media centre? What I'd like to see is that as a media centre, we are here to support the members of the church to share Jesus. Mm. We want them to be able to tell their stories, to be able to do things in a way that makes sense to them and is easy. Mm-hmm. You know, too often the problem is people feel like they don't have the tools to share Jesus in a simple way. They feel that they are, they, well, they don't want to be pushy. So we need to have ways of sharing Jesus that, that people invite and are happy to have. And so we want to partner with churches, with church members, in a way that helps them feel that they're fulfilling their calling as a disciple of Jesus mm-hmm. and sharing Jesus with friends and relatives and family in a way that um, they're, they're proud to do it and happy to do it. Well, you do so, a f- Yeah, go on, sorry. It's a little bit like um, I was I was sitting in a, a, a little restaurant in Christchurch once and the restaurant, uh, the, the waitress came along and she noticed I'd ordered a vegetarian meal, and she said, oh, I'm really interested in vegetarian cooking. Yeah. But I don't do it. And I could simply say to her, hey, if if you just go on to Channel 207 and watch Hope Channel, 
every week we introduce a new vegetarian recipe and it shows you how to cook it. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. Simple way I've introduced someone to, you know, Christian television. Yeah. That for them. So it's stuff like that, Lloyd, that I think we as Adventist media can add value and make sharing Jesus simple for for our church members. Look, you're a a fabulous ministry and... I might be a bit biased being in media myself, but it's a fantastic thing that you do. We support you. And, uh, I thank you for your time today. I just wonder maybe if we can come back in the not-too-distant future and get some stories from you, Brad, on some of the differences Adventist media has made to people's lives um, in the time you've been around in media. I'm well, happy to do it, Lloyd. Yeah. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Actually, I was just thinking in that last question, Hunty. Yep. If um, they wanted, Hope Channel is harder to see here in Australia because it's not free to air, but it is online. Correct. Yeah, and if you just uh, Google yes. Hope Channel, yes, uh, you will be able to watch Hope Channel online, and it is a pretty. I, I like it. We we do a lot of stuff ourselves on Hope, Hope Channel, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, a lot of our television programming, which goes to Channel Seven, Channel Nine, and Channel Ten. In fact, we're about to start on Channel Seven shortly. Mm. That means, Hunty, we've actually been on all the major <laughs> networks in Australia. Did you Did you stop and think about that? We've I been on nine, no, seven, and ten. Interesting. Some might say, oh, you're getting tossed off them. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. We we just do a series and you you, you go and um, negotiate, don't you, with the networks and kind of take the the best deal you can get. The the program we've – and the reason I'm talking about this is because I've just been talking to Brad and I've got media now in my head and I've said a number of times on this radio program, we are actually television boys, not radio boys. We're pretty raw. That's right. I keep saying we're pretty raw. I keep saying viewers, not listeners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're pretty raw, we're pretty raw in this radio thing, yep. this gig. But we, I like radio because yeah, me too. they can't see. I mean, if you saw me now, yeah. here I am in lockdown. I've grown a beard. I've grown a beard. I have to have a shave. I mean, grown a beard in shorts and t-shirt and a, a jumper. I oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I've kind of wandered off the, the the track there. What was I saying? Channel Seven. Oh yeah, yep. we'll be on shortly. And this is this is probably the best time slot we've ever got at eight thirty on a Sunday morning. I think it is on seven two. Is that right, Hunty? Yep. yep, yep. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. And I, I really like talking to Brad because I don't know whether you picked it up in the interview or not, but he actually is in charge of all the media for the Adventist Church in the entire South Pacific. Correct. Uh, and he's a good mate of ours. Yes. And uh, he, he's doing a good job and we really, really support him. Hey, Hunty, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do Ask the Aussie Pastor shortly. Yeah, good. And if you, if, if you've got some questions, it's not too late, is it, Hunty? No, please send in your questions. How? We would love to hear from you. You can email them to us, info at aussiepastor.com or you can text them to us on 0488 double eight zero eight five one. That's info at Aussiepastor dot com for email or you can text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. This song Genuine Love is from my friend and she is my friend Anna Beaton.
was a nice song. came to a you sudden end, though, Hunty. What happened there, mate? A very sudden end. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was meant to just slide off out. Love Anna's uh, music. Yeah, love it, love it. Are you going to tell us what happened then, Hunty, or is that oh, not open I watched the car. No, I watched the clock, and then I saw it disappear. Oh, <laughs> so we don't know what happened. We don't, okay. we don't know what happened, no. I, I'll find out from Hunty what happened, really, and I'll report to you all next, this time <laughs> next week. <laughs> Uh, look, uh, you, you know what? We're yep. talking about COVID-19 and it's, it's yep. such a big deal and it's everywhere and it's relevant and you can't help but talk about it even though you don't want to. I'm at the point where I desperately want to talk about something else, Hunty. Yeah, good, let's. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be with us for a while. It is going to be with us for a while. I want to I want to show you very quickly how you can make good decisions when it comes to COVID-19 and every other major decision you get on the planet that's going to come to you. Because I'll tell you what, Andrew Hunt, right now, the information coming through our news media, off the internet, on social media, it's coming at a million mile an hour, it's coming for every direction and it's hard to know who's telling the truth, who to trust, who not to trust and who's telling lies. Am I yep, right? That's right. And I want to put it to you that I reckon that we need help to be able to discern the truth. Yep. And when it comes to COVID-19, people say, oh, well, are you saying that you're absolutely right and, and I'm wrong? Well, no, not necessarily, because there are some people who actually shouldn't take the vaccine, correct, Hunty? Correct. There are, yeah. So uh, I, I want to do a Bible study that shows you, just a quick one, Hunty. Yep. That shows you how you can know the truth from the lies in what I think are the last days of planet Earth. Cool. You interested? Yes, please. 
We'll go pretty fast. Okay. I'm going to take you to John chapter 3, and I'm going to get you to... Because I want to move through this pretty quickly, Hunty, and I want to get to the main uh, gist of the point. In other words, you can know the truth. Yep. I want you to read this pretty quickly. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. I think a while ago we actually looked at this story uh, on radio, and it's a good story, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But here you've got a story of a man who was a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. He was a religious leader Um, in Israel at the time of Jesus. What's a Pharisee? Religious leader, a religious okay. leader in Israel. Okay. And he comes to Jesus in the dead of the night. Why did he come in the dead of the night? Ah, uh, might have been not wanting anybody to see him, or maybe Jesus had no crowds around him. Not absolutely sure. But he comes to him, and I just want you, as Hunty reads this, and he's reading from the NLT, which is a modern version, I just want you to get a gist of what's going on here. Hey, by the way, Hunty, yep. love the fact that we have been to Israel. Yeah, that's so cool. Because when I listen to these stories, yep. Nicodemus, the Pharisee in Jerusalem, yep. I can think of Jerusalem, I can think of the walled city, I think of the Mount of Olives of the Kidron Valley, yep. I, I can see Jerusalem, I kind of know the area that this happened, and it just brings it to life, doesn't it? You know, we can, I, look, I don't know whether we'll we'll ever travel again, bro. I was going to say, we can thank our next guest when he comes on, Pastor Harker, for leading us through Israel. Yeah, yeah, it was great, great times, wasn't it? We'll tell him that. We will. We remember. Yep. Hey, um... Read the story, bro. Okay. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? He exclaimed, Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can only reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Uh, You might say to me, well, Lloyd, Pastor, what has that got to do with being able to discern what is the truth and what is a lie? Yep, that's my question. It's a good one, isn't it? It is. Can you guess, Hunty, or, or not, a, nope. not a clue where not, I'm going? Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go, and we're going to do this in the next couple of weeks on this radio program. If you go to John chapter 14, John chapter 15, and John chapter 16, Jesus tells us what it means to be born again. Now, if I was just to ask you real quick, Hunty, yep. maybe you, you do or don't want to answer this one, what does it mean to you to be born again? Oh, it means I'm saved. It means I've accepted Jesus' gift of grace. What happens? What actually happens? When you're well, born for, again, for me, who comes and lives inside of you? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was talking about. Right. He was saying, you must be born again. Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? Jesus says, you've got to have the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life, in your mind. And you know what John 14, we're going to look at this. I think it's that important, Hunty, over the next few weeks. You know what John 14, 15, 16, these three incredible chapters of Jesus where he's talking about the third person of God had the Holy Spirit. Do you know what Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do when he comes inside of you? Tell me. Teach you? Yep. Lead you, yep. Show you the truth. Yes, he will show you the truth. And I reckon one of the most important 
experiences you can have as a human being is to have the Holy Spirit inside your mind, inside your heart, so that he then can show you how to discern what is a lie and what is the truth. And he will do it, hunty. Mm. He'll actually come come inside of you and show you the truth on everything, the truth about Jesus, the truth on how you are saved, the truth on where you should or shouldn't go to church, the truth on what doctrine you should or shouldn't believe. He'll even tell you the truth on what's going down out there on planet Earth in end times, including things like COVID-19 and whether or not to take the vaccine. Wow. That seems pretty way out, but the Holy Spirit is about getting into your life and leading and guiding you from the most intimate level. And I just want to stress again, whereas the Holy Spirit might convict me to go and do something, to go and get the vaccine, he might say to you, no, don't go and get it, you'll have a reaction. Do you get what I'm saying, Hunter? I do, I do. He'll even guide you and lead you in these relative truths. And I just find it incredible that you can have God inside of you who will do that for you, and I'm going to show you how over the next couple of weeks. But I want to end this little section of the Bible study, because I want you, our listeners, to go and try this this week. How do you get the Holy Spirit? This is the important part, aren't you? Yep. Luke chapter 11. Can you go there, bro? Yep, yep, yep. Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through to 13. Sure. So so you're sitting out there and you might be saying, as you're listening to this in the car or you're at home or you're on the computer, you might be at work just listening, you might be saying, well, how can I, how can I get the Holy Spirit inside of me so I can have this experience with God? By the way, it's open and it's available to everybody. You don't have to be a saint. You, you don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be going to church to get the Holy Spirit. That's right. When he comes inside of you, he's going to take you on a journey. But when he, he'll come to you wherever you are at, if you want. Read it to us. Yep, one of my Luke favorite chapter texts. 11, yep. verses 11 through to 13. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He gives you the Holy Spirit if you what? Ask. Ask. Does he say I'll give you the Holy Spirit if you're good? Nope. Does he say I'll give you the Holy Spirit if you go to heaven? Nope. Oh, sorry, to church. Church is heaven for me. <laughs> oh, how I'm missing church. <laughs> sorry about that slip up of word. <laughs> I knew what you were talking about. Will he give you the Holy there. Spirit if you're a church goer? No. Well, well, he will. He may. If you just sort of ask. doesn't matter. You can go to church, you can not go to church. You can believe in Jesus, you cannot believe in Jesus, but if you ask the Holy Spirit, he will come to you where you are at. Believe me, once he comes inside of you and shows you the truth, you'll believe in Jesus. Amen, auntie? Amen. He does some amazing things, but you've got to ask. So how do you ask? How do you ask, Hunty? I pray. Yeah, show us how. Just just very quickly how you do it each morning. Because we do this every day. Sure. Auntie and I have talked about this. Yes. We both, we both on multiple times, will ask the Holy Spirit I, to be when, in our lives each day. When I pray, I like to thank the Lord first for my blessings. So I'd start with, Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. And I'd like to thank for my family and my wife and my food and shelter first. But then I'll say, Lord, please send your Holy Spirit to come into my life today. Please help me to be a better person. Yeah. That's it. It's simple. Hunty does it his way. Yep. I do it my way, in our language, in our way, and we just say, Lord, please send the Holy Spirit. So this week, this is what I want to challenge you with this Bible study. Don't worry about too much else that I've said. Just ask for the Holy Spirit. Dear Lord Jesus, please, I am here. I'm prepared to give you a go. Send the Holy Spirit. The door of my heart is open. 
Ask, 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 and he will come. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I like that little Bible study, Hunty. Ripper. Thanks for helping me out on that, mate. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> this next song, I Want to See Jesus, actually is what happens when the Holy Spirit comes. You will see Jesus. This is I Want to See Jesus from the Lesser Light Collective. He was mourning for his people, slaves in exile for all their sin. Then the dawning down by the river struck down inside when he saw him clothed in white Hey, there was a little bit of a gap there, hunty. That's because you didn't undo your mute button. 
<laughs> you were just you've been waiting for that all day, haven't you? You know it. <laughs> I love this camera I've got in your place. I can see. <laughs> I said, I said, okay, okay, and then I realised the mute button. Was, I've got to put the mute button on today, listeners, because I'm coughing yeah, he's got up a terrible cough. A, 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 yeah. Coughing up a storm, and it's not good. Okay, time for Aussie pasta. Ask the Aussie pasta. Yes. Look, uh, just to our listeners, I am a bit thick-headed today, so who knows what we'll get as an answer. This <laughs> should be interesting. Okay, well... Uh, and because because I'm not over at Hunty's place, I can't see all of the questions either. I got the questions before we started. Not all of them. to come in, uh, yeah, I haven't got a clue. So we, right. we really are going cold. Okay, mate, let's okay, go for it. let me start with one from Jenny. Hi, Pastor Lloyd. Can you please explain for the reason of Jesus' transfiguration? The transfiguration is... Uh, it happened uh, over in Israel. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the mountain. Uh, if I had Pastor Harker here, have you got him? I on, can bring Pastor. Yet? I can bring Pastor Harker in. Hang on is he listening? Are you listening, he, Pastor? He's Harker? listening. Hang on, let me bring him in. Hang on. Okay, got him. Okay, Pastor Harker, welcome to our program. Thank you. Uh, what mountain was the transfiguration on? This was up in the north, just in west of Galilee, in the northern part of Israel. Okay, I remember we just come out of Galilee when we went up there. It was quite a climb, right? For, for for our for our little car, and we got up there. And I remember there was, as we were walking in, there was on the right hand side there was some pretty nice old buildings that were. You remember that they were a bit collapsed, and then there was a monastery up there. Was that right? That's that's correct. Now, very very quickly, while I've got you here, because he's waiting for the interview in a minute, uh, uh, the story of of Annie Askew. Um, which is a great story, by the way. Tell us what was what, oh, his phone's going. Yeah. See, this this is this is live. actually really live radio. That's it. We got it. We came in too early for him. <laughs> uh, Harold, um, could you just tell us very quickly for our listeners, very quickly, what was a transfiguration? Transfiguration is where Jesus was shown with all his power and glory that he'll have when he comes the second time. And it was to prove to his disciples who he really was and they could tell the world. Ask the Aussie pastor or ask Harold Harker. You're going to get the answer. That's right. Yeah. And that actually, who was up there? Peter, James and John, the three disciples. Is that correct? That's right. So it was only those three, but it was a powerful, it had a, a powerful impact. Just tell the listeners very quickly what happened. When they were there, he took them up into the mountain and while they were there, all of a sudden, they saw Moses and Elijah as well in this mm. great, powerful display. And Peter, he just comes out of his mouth. Let's build three <laughs> tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Yeah. Well, I think we're putting pressure under uh, Pastor Harker there. We'll let him go. He's got the phone going everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll finish that <laughs> off that quick. Look, basically what it was was the power of God in all his glory, his brightness, his power, together with Elijah and... Who was the other one that was there? Oh, hang on. Elijah and back. Moses. Moses. They came down with God, um, and it just had such an impact on the disciples. They went out. They never forgot it. They knew that Jesus was of God. Jesus was God. Okay. Uh, Auntie? Next question. Is it okay for Christians to get divorced? Well, Jesus only gives us uh, one reason to be divorced. And that is for marital unfaithfulness, and usually that would be interpreted adultery. What about uh, it's? It's not okay for Christians to get divorced. Uh, I think 
Uh, Jesus expects us when we promise marriage to be married for the rest of our lives. Can, it, can I, buddy? He doesn't expect you. Now, yeah, you can, but he doesn't expect you. In, in, you don't necessarily have to stay with your husband or wife if it's not working out, but you certainly don't go and marry somebody else. Sounds tough, but I think Jesus wants to know if marriage is a sacred, a very, very sacred and holy union between a man and a wife done before God. I, I, I vaguely remember a text I read once about abandonment and abuse. You might want to bring that text up. Yeah, okay. Alrighty. <laughs> uh, mind you, no woman. And I'm talking woman, and you can say to a lesser extent men, man, man. No woman or man should stay in a relationship where there is abuse. I think there's an argument to say that that is uh, when Jesus says marital unfaithfulness. If you abuse physically, mentally, or sexually your wife and or husband, that is, I would call that being uh, pretty much marital unfaithfulness at one of its uh, highest yeah, good levels. Point, good point. But, but the point is, and I just want to bring this home very strongly, Marriage is for life. When you promise someone before God, it is for life. Yep, yep. And it should not be handed into lightly, and it should not is not just something you, to, to to run away from and say, "Well, I divorce you, and that's that, and move on." That's not how it works. In fact, most marriages, if the partners together are prepared to work at their problems, it, it'll work. And, and Hunter, you've been married a long time. I've been married, well, not so long, but long enough. It's. I've been married since 2014. Hunty since 2002. Two. Yeah, I'm heading. I'm heading for 20 years. Yeah, it looks like that too, bro. <laughs> Looking at you on the screen. Yeah, it looks. Um, it's. It's not a fairy tale. Marriage is a real deal. It's That's ups right. and downs. It's. Right. It's. It's. it's uh, it's a little bit of a challenge, but it's a beautiful thing as you learn to grow, uh, to tolerate. Yes, it is tolerate. Sometimes to be patient and to love someone. Um, yeah, beautiful thing. All right, next question. Is there room in Christianity to believe in evolution? No. <laughs> no. Absolutely none. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Shouldn't be given a corner to get in. Shouldn't raise its head. Shouldn't show itself. Yeah, I no, agree. no. I totally no, agree. no, no. No, no. All right. Is that clear? That's very clear. Uh, now, the reason being, I've got to give a little bit more. The reason being is if you were to accept evolution, then the fall of man is not a real story. The promise of Jesus to bring it, to come and to save us from the fall is not a real story. It actually is. Evolution is a bold frontal attack on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. They're absolutely, and it's, it is that because evolution denies that sin ever came into the, the world through Satan. Uh, d- denies the fall of mankind. Uh, evolution is one of the most, uh, uh, and I'll say this respectfully because I know some of our listeners, this might be a surprise, but evolution is one of the most awful, godless theories, and it is a theory, to afflict mankind in the history of the world because it does away with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so if something does away with Jesus, absolutely no. There is no room in Christianity for it. Should you know what evolution is, what it means, what they advance, yeah, I think there's some wisdom in that. Alrighty. Good to know what, what others that you're trying to share Christ with believe and think and how they see things. Yeah, Go on, mate. Did the early Christian church keep the Lord's Day holy and not the Sabbath? <laughs> well, the Lord's Day is the Sabbath. Yeah, <laughs> the Bible's very clear about that. Uh, the Lord's Day is the Sabbath. Uh, yep. The early Christian church was a seventh-day Sabbath-keeping church. I've no doubt about that. But you know what? Fairly early on, Sunday started to come into the experience of the early Christian church. I'm talking uh, before the first century AD. 
So in the first 30, 40, 50 years, Sunday as a memorial of the resurrection of Christ and to distinguish Christianity from the early Christian, uh, from the, from the Jewish, from the Jewish religion. So the early Christian church wanted to distinguish itself from the Jewish religion. They did start to worship on Sunday rather than the Sabbath. So that, that did happen pretty early. But to this day, the Lord's Day is a Sabbath. Oh, you, you cannot show me a single passage in all of Scripture where the Bible says anything other than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. True. Sabbath is the Lord's Day. Amen. Okay, last question. Is it okay for Christians to play competitive sport? Ah, yeah. long as you play it. Like you live life with a spirit of gentleness and kindness, of humility. You can play sport with humility. I mean, Hunty, when I play you in tennis and I thrash you, I do it <laughs> Never with happened. humility, correct? <laughs> I do it with humility. humility. <laughs> <laughs> Look, sport, sport can teach you some great lessons, can't it, Andrew? It can. Uh, yeah, and, and I, th- I think there's a place for uh, competitive sport, as long as it, it, it doesn't get out of hand. And again, you know, when you have the Holy Spirit inside of your hunting, yep. you've got everything. Amen. So, yeah, that's the key. Have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He'll even show you how to play sport. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Did we go pretty quickly there, Hunty? Yep, Did we get yep, through that yep. fast enough? Yeah, you nailed it. Will there be any stars in my crown? This is a song from the Cox family. And just so you know, when it says, will there be any stars in my crown, it's a song talking about what, Hunty? Do you um, know? What's a star sure. in your crown, man? I'm not sure. Uh, go to Pastor Harkin. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I, I, might, I might as well ask him this question. Okay, Pastor Harkin. Harold Harker, how do you oh, see that song? What is a star in your crown? Stars in the crown are those that you've shared what Jesus means to you, and they are there to celebrate as well. So they're people that you've influenced into heaven Amen. by introducing them to Jesus. That's right. That's right. He, 10 out of 10 for you, <laughs> 0 out of 10 for Andrew Hunt. Will there be any stars in our crown? Beautiful song from the Cox family.
Does that sound like uh, Dolly Parton to you? It does. I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do too. <laughs> Actually, that's a, that's a favourite of ours at New Hope, isn't it? It is. We we love that song. Yep. We sing it a lot. Man, when we sing that, it, oh, man, don't you miss church? I do. <sighs> We're locked down. When do you reckon this lockdown's going to end, hunty? Oh, dear. I'm not optimistic at all. No. Let's let's have faith. Mm. want to welcome guess, guess Pastor Mark. Guess who's not locked down right now? Our next guest. Oh. <laughs> Pastor Harker. Actually, he is. Uh, no. Uh, are you, uh, Pastor Harker, are you, uh, Harold, are you, are you locked down? No, not at the moment. So you can move out as per normal? Well, yes, we, we can go around at the moment. We can't visit Sydney or the Central Coast, but we can move in our own area. Yes, no, we're the leper capital of yeah, Australia. We're the, the COVID moment. zombies. <laughs> Uh, this story we're going to look at today is a beauty. Uh, it's a fantastic story. It is. She, she is a noble woman, and, and it's almost an honour to be able to talk about her life. And, and the thing is, I actually am a bit of a student of Reformation history. I have never heard this girl's story before this. I don't know. How do we miss it, Harold? How do we miss her story? I hadn't heard of it before, but I heard someone give a talk on this recently. I asked him for his notes, and I've sent them to you, and it's a fantastic story of a woman who was really true to Jesus Christ. It is. I was actually talking to Harold, who comes with us often on our overseas trips. I want to pray that, that COVID-19 will end, because if we were to go to England, this woman's story would be the first story I'd want to do. It's Amen. just incredible. Her name is Annie Askew, and she was born in Lincolnshire, England, in 1521. Harold, tell us a, a little bit about her. Was she born into a wealthy or a poor family? She was Lincolnshire, is in the eastern part of England, and her father was Sir William Askew. He was a very wealthy landowner. And as well as that, he was what's called a gentleman or a person who went to the courts of King Henry VII and King Henry VIII. So she was born in a noble, high family, really. She was well-bred and well-born there, yes. How many siblings, brothers and sisters, did she have? Well, her father had a, three wives, and altogether he had two sons and three daughters. So there were five uh, in the family. She was the second daughter. And let me tell you, she was both attractive, but she was a very independent person. Yeah, I think it would be fair to say that she was quite outspoken. That would be right. <laughs> she would have she been a handful to marry, I, I, I think, and she did get married. <laughs> Tell us about that. Well, when she was just 15, can you imagine that? 
her older sister died and her father said, you've got to marry your dead sister's place, take her place and marry Thomas Kime. And so she stepped into the marriage that her older sister had had. Would she have been happy about that, do you think? I mean, is this something that girls in those days expected and accepted or 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 how how would she have felt and what sort of marriage was it let's let's move on to that as well well it wasn't a happy marriage she went there because the father said you've got to do this but thomas kime he had a different religion he was a strong catholic and and annie she had uh, uh, heard of and was starting to practice the protestant truths that she'd heard and so there was an unhappy marriage because of religion. So in other words, Annie was arguing the gospel with her much older husband. Is that correct? And that That's caused correct. tension in the marriage. That's correct. It's probably why Jesus says when we get married, we should, what, what, what does he say, uh, um, marry? Two, two can't go. walk together unless they're agreed. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and this is a marriage that is like that. So, so she's starting to learn the Protestant gospel. Something happened in 1545 that was instrumental in this. Tell us. Well, 1545, she was fortunate. She was able to get a printed copy of the Bible now because printing presses were there and she had a Bible of her own. So when she gets this Bible, she's got a sharp tongue and she starts to read the Gospels, the books of Paul. She's really starting now to agitate in the family with her husband, correct? Yes, and on top of this, she finds a very personal, close relationship with Jesus as her saviour. So that's really what drove her life. Isn't it amazing? Jesus looks down and he sees this high-spirited, beautiful, full-of-life young woman, and he can see that her heart is open to him and he comes for her and she really does make some changes in her life and follows Jesus. She's so outspoken she gets arrested in, in 1545, correct? Yes, she was arrested on suspicion of heresy and that was a major crime in those days. She's only 24 years of age, so she gets arrested by the authorities. And Am I right in saying at this time in England it was the Roman Catholic Church that was uh, in power? Yes, and what she was arrested for, she uh, claimed that neither purgatory nor transubstantiation could be proven by the Holy Scriptures. Just tell us very quickly what purgatory and transubstantiation is for our listeners. Well, people, the Catholic Church, believe that if you weren't good enough to go to heaven when you died, you went to a place where you were just tortured a little bit till you're good enough. That was purgatory. And transubstantiation is when you receive the wafer at communion, they believe it's the actual body of Jesus Christ, and she didn't. Yeah, no. So she's a Protestant. That's the bottom line. She's, That's right. She's a Protestant believing Protestant doctrines. In fact, she's believing biblical doctrines, doctrines, and she's from a very high-profile family, and she is rejecting the state church. Big, big trouble. She's arrested. What did they want Annie to do when she was arrested? Well, they wanted her to recant and go back to Catholicism. Mm. And did she? No, never. She. She's outspoken and she's determined and she's faithful. Uh, tell us about Annie's time in prison because it wasn't pleasant. Well, it wasn't very nice there. She was um, in confined. She was interrogated. 
and the guy there was known as a ruthless persecutor of heretics. And uh, she finally signed a qualified statement of orthodox bleep, just somewhat, but she was there for 12 days and then sent home. Okay. Um, while she was in prison, the priest offered her the Eucharist. Now, Eucharist, sorry. Yeah. And, and we've already learned that she never accepted the, the, the doctrine of Rome that Christ was actually physically present in the Eucharist. What was her response? Because I, th- I think in her response we get a sense of how uh, high-spirited and how intense this young woman is in her, relation, in, in her experience and relationship with Jesus. Well, put it in the context, she had been interrogated for five hours on one day and five hours the next. And then she was asked, will you deny the Eucharist? And she said, God is a spirit, not a wafer cake. He is to be worshipped and not with superstitious homage that's paid to a wafer, converted by popish jugglery into a god. Wow, that is outspoken. She's very, very forthright. She ends up in prison again. She she can't keep quiet. I mean, this happens to you. I I think this experience, um, Harold, is coming to the Christian church in the West sooner or later. She, talking about being full of the Holy Spirit, she's so full of the Holy Spirit that on the threat of prison, even death, she can't keep quiet. She ends up back in prison uh, what do they do to her this time? Well, they put her on the rack. In other words, they want to stretch her and to make her recant. And she's tortured to try and get an attempt to name other people who believed like she did. And she wouldn't do it? No. She kept her lips sealed. She was only for Christ. She said, I'll answer for myself, not for others. How injured was she in this well, torture? She was in Newgate Prison and she got very sick and she was really, uh, with this, it caused considerable pain and she really, she was never herself again. Bones almost broken, joints pulled apart. Actually, I I did read about this. I did a little bit of uh, study myself, Harold, when when you, you presented this story as one we might want to talk about. Here's a girl who they reckon... Every literally removed, uh, uh, tore apart every bone in her body. That's right. That's she, the rack. She, she's in a mess. She's 25 years old. She's in the prime of life, a young woman, and she's literally in the prison already starting to die for Christ. She's in a terrible mess. She will not surrender the names of her friends and her fellow believers. What a wonderful Christian girl. And she's condemned to be burnt at the stake now. So now, so she's in prison, they've tortured her, and now they're going to execute her. That's right. How but did she, she get... Yeah, go, go. She can't even walk there. So how so did she get to the place of her execution? They had to carry her in a chair to Smithfield, was a place where they executed, quote, heretics. So she was carried in a chair to be executed, but when she gets there, I found this incredible. She has to listen to a sermon. Tell me about that. <laughs> Well, this, this bishop, he th- came to preach the last sermon and trying to get her to recant. But she says, he missed and speaks without the book. He didn't use the Bible. Now, the amazing thing about this is the bishop, this preacher, actually came from where she was at, correct? Theologically, right. I'm told. This guy 
had recanted himself of the Protestant doctrine, am I right? That's right. And he'd gone back to the established church there. So how did they execute her? Well, they tied... Can you imagine this person? This, all bones are broken, but they tie her with a state chain around her ankles, around her waist and around her neck, and they put gunpowder all around her feet so it will end quickly, and then they put fire to it, and the powder explodes and kills her straight away. So God in his mercy took her. Amen. Who, who watched this? And I found this incredible too. Who was watching this? The Lord Chancellor of the church, the Dukes of Norfolk, the Duke of Bedford, and the Lord Mayor all watched this shameful example for them. So, so, so some of the most powerful religious and political leaders in, in England at that time were there to watch this girl die. That's right. What a, what a story. Um, 25 years of age, an impact uh, on my life, that's for sure. And when we, I, I, as, I, as I was finding out about this story, I, I couldn't help thinking to myself when I get to heaven, I'm going to go looking for Annie because well, that was a story of a noble young woman. Well, her martyrdom and her great fortitude in holding out there, it added much to the strength of the Protestant cause. The blood of martyrs is always the seed of the church. So is that what you think we can learn? Last question, we can learn from this young woman's life? I think, firstly, we need to know she had a close and a personal relationship with Jesus and she lived for him and the, Bible's, the Bible was the textbook where she learnt what was truth. Again, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. We need to be men and women of the Bible, as Annie Askew was, because if we know our Bibles, we're going to know her Jesus and we'll stand one day long, if we have to, as she did too, correct? Amen. Thank you, uh, Harold Harker, for another wonderful story. Hope we see you again real soon. These are great stories. They're very moving. God bless. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor, here on Faith FM. You like that story, Hunty? What a ripper. You know what really motivated her, I reckon, above all else? What's that? It's about what this next song from Michael Card, Love Crucified a Rose, is about. It's about a Jesus who died for her sins, who arose and stands for her in heaven as her intercessor. And when you can get that message, and that is in your heart, and you take a hold of that, and you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you would rather die than give up Jesus. And that's what happened to Annie Askew, and that's what will happen to you too, if you go seeking the same Jesus she did. This is a good song, hunty. Yep. From a great singer, Michael Card, Love Crucified Arose.
You know, Hunty? Yep. I think that's what inspires me too. It's it's Jesus the Saviour and what he's done for me. And I think we've all got to come to grips with that in our experiences mm. at some time or other yep. if we want to have a conversion. I think we've got to realise how desperate we are and how Jesus is only the answer. Yep. Um, we're about to start actually a outreach program here in Sydney online, aren't we, Hunty? Yep. When are we going to get that first outreach program up, do you reckon? Well, can I tell our listeners that we've actually, we've recorded it and done two test runs now. Mm. So we, we, we're probably pretty ready to, to, to let it go live, eh? No, we're not. We're going to record it again tomorrow morning. <laughs> we might get it up. We might get it up tomorrow night. We'll yep. just have to see how we go. Yep. Um, and it, it, what we're going to be talking about in this outreach program? Where can they see it, Hunty? By the way, if you want to see our, our, if you want to see our programs, not listen to them, see them. Where would you go to? So the best place to find our stuff is uh, on our website, findjesus.tv. So if you go to www.findjesus.tv, there are links there to our Revelation series, our Gospel series, our live productions, or you can go to aussiepastor.com, or you can go to the Aussie Pastor Facebook page. We're everywhere. That's right. Just. Google Aussie Pastor. That's right. You'll somehow get to There's this. an Aussie Pastor YouTube channel too. We go live across all our platforms simultaneously, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> he says that because you never... In fact, we're on a, 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 a wing and a prayer the way we're doing this. That's right. We're relying on... The, we are. We're, we're actually relying on the internet. And multiple public internet systems. Actually, I, you know, I like to stir you up, Hunty. Yep. And our listeners will think the stirring goes all one way from me, but <laughs> Hunty, don't be fooled, listeners. He gives as good as he gets. He's just pulling his punches here on the radio. It'll come in time, don't you worry. I don't, I don't but I want to thank Andrew Hunt because he has worked so hard and tirelessly to keep us up and running in a pandemic where we're not even allowed to see each other. It's been challenging technically, hasn't it, mate? We have had some fun times, yes. Well, you have. Yes. I haven't. Yes. It's been all right for me. I'd, I haven't done anything. Uh, <laughs> but he's got these two studios working, uh, one at his house and, and one at mine. We, we can see each other. And a sub-studio uh, at Pastor Harker's today. Yeah, yeah. We even had uh, uh, Harold. He, he was coming from his place. We could see him as well. Hunty's got this program where we can actually see and, and listen to each other. And he's got good sound, which amazes me. Because when we started, we thought I'd sound like I was on the phone, correct, That's Hunty? right. We, we were worried about that. Well, I was. You, yeah, you were. I wasn't. <laughs> I like I like sound to be rich and crisp. I, I want to give away a Bible. Nice. And I'm going to give the listener who wins this a choice. They can have NLT, yep, which is the New Living Translation. That's my favourite. You know why that's my favourite, Hunty? Why is that? Easy to read? Because I can understand it, yeah. Really easy yep. to understand and pretty accurate too. Yep. So they can have an NLT, New Living Translation, or they can have an NKJV or they can have a KJV or they can have a RSV or they can have a NASB. You can have any of those five versions. But here's the question and it will be for the... What shall we say, Hunty? The one who... How shall we judge what, the this? The best answer or the first in? What do you think's the fairest? The best answer? I don't, right? know the, I don't know the question. Okay, here's the question. In Genesis, before the flood, it's a two-part question. Yep. I think anyone who can answer will get a Bible, actually. It's, it's not easy. In Genesis, before the flood, there was one man who went to heaven. Who was that? 
Don't give the answer, Hunter. Yeah, you'll be yeah, giving yeah, the Bibles yeah. away yeah, out of your yeah, pay. Yep, yep, yep. Do you know the answer to that one? I think I do, yes. Before the flood, there was one man who did not die. He actually went to heaven. Now, what is so unusual about that is usually when we die, we what? The yeah, Bible we, says very clearly we go right. to sleep in the dirt of the ground to wait for Jesus to come. Yep. This guy did not die. The Bible says he actually went to heaven. That's the first part of the question, Hunty. Yep. He had a son. His name was Methuselah. Methuselah actually died the year of the flood. Did you know that? that I did not. I know how old he was. No, 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 that's the question. Oh, that's the question. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> how old was Methuselah when he died? So you've got to give the answer to the question, the two-part question. What was the name of the man who actually did not die and went? To, God and him had such a close relationship. It got to the point, wouldn't you love this if God thought this of you, hunty? I can't, God says, I just can't go on without this guy. We are the best of friends. You're coming to heaven with me. And he actually went and got him. Did you know that? Got him and brought him back to heaven. That's the first question. Who was that? The second question is he had a son. His name was Methuselah. How old was Methuselah when he died? Now, if you get that, if you get the answer to that question to us and you're the first one to get it in, we will give you a Bible. Now, Hunty's, you're ready to go because Hunty's (laughs) going to give us the either text and, in fact, we'll give two Bibles away. First one to text the answer in and the first First one one to email it, Hunty. Okay, all right. Go for it, Hunty. Okay, I'm watching both the email and the text. Oh, you got our mate from uh, WA, David, says he and... Don't give the answer, don't no, give the answer. No, no, he's, I'm telling you, he's just texted to say hi. He says he and his wife have been married 35 years. He's doing well. He's doing well. I think, they, I think he's a regular listener and he I is. think they had their anniversary a week or two back. 35 didn't years t- and it says with no, escape, with no escape clause. Hallelujah, amen, it says. <laughs> no escape clause. No God bless you, David, over there in the west. Okay, Hunty, give it to us, brother. Okay. Texting, texting, and email. Okay. First one in. Certainly. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one is the text number, and you can email us at info at aussiepastor dot com. This next song, "Why Me, Lord," from C. C. Williams, is Why about the grace <laughs> and the mercy and the love of Jesus to us who are sometimes, to be frank and honest. Pretty unlovely. C.C. Williams, Why Me, Lord? Why me, Lord? What have I ever done To deserve even one Of the pleasures I've known Tell me, Lord What did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you've shown?
and that's C.C. Williams, Why and that me. is a great song, Why Me, Lord. I could play that song every week, Hunty. Yeah, that's a ripper, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, Bible study. One more Bible study, another short one. This is powerful. This is powerful. I'm going to talk about the commandments and grace. Okay. Now, before before you think, oh, that sounds theological, this is not theology. This is not theology as such, Hunty. Yep. This is talking about how to get to heaven and why God gave us the commandments, why they're important, and how grace works. This is fabulous, powerful stuff. Nice. Hunty, Romans 7, verse 7. Yep. First question. Why did God give us the commandments? Now, now, now this is a pretty important question because most of Protestantism, which we belong to, either does away with the commandments, commandments full stop. They go, oh, well, grace does away with the law. It doesn't matter whether you keep it or not now. Well, that's fine until you go and steal their new brand new flat screen television, Hunty. <laughs> then the law all of a sudden becomes pretty important. Or, 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 or you, 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 you lie to them and, and, and rip them off or you try to steal their husband or wife. Then you'll see how important the law is. The law is still in vogue. It is important. It is holy. It comes from God and it does a few things. But one of the things the law will do and why you need it and why you need to know it is this one. Romans 7 verse 7. This is Paul. What does he say? Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. Now, Paul's, Paul, uh, the greatest theologian the church has ever had other than Jesus Christ, that's Paul the Apostle. Yep. He's actually talking about the Ten Commandments here because he quotes the Ten Commandments. Yep, yep. Now, what does he say the Ten Commandments of the law is good for, Hunty? Showing me my sin. It's like looking in the mirror. Yep. I mean, when I look in the mirror, you know what? I can fool myself, Hunty. You know how I'm on this bit of a weight loss thing yep. for the last 25 years? Yep. S- since since Hunty has known me, I've been on a diet and I've lost uh, hundreds of kilos. Nothing. <laughs> I probably put on One weight. up, one down, one up, one down. <laughs> <laughs> nothing will bring me down the ground harder and faster than one or two things. One, either uh, um, watching myself on television and that's an ugly thing. I don't like doing that because it, it tells me who I am, what I really look like, Hunty. The second one is when I get out of the shower and look in the mirror. It's not a pretty sight. Hey, Pete, it the tells me, hey, it you- tells me I have not lost weight. Yep. It tells me that I am in trouble and that I do need to continue on the diet. You know, the difference between, lo- sorry, I was going to say, the difference between men and women is a man uh, gets uh, out of the shower and looks in the mirror and he sucks in his gut and he says, oh, I look great. And a woman stands in front of the mirror, pushes it out and says, boy, I'm getting fat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Good, good. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the mirror the law, that shows us our sin. When yes. you stand in front of it, what does it do, Hunty? It shows us it, where we're sinning. So if I lie, will the law reveal that? I believe If so, I yes. read it and look at it? Yes. Or if I commit adultery? Yes. Or if I steal? Yes. Or if I covet? Or even if I'm a Sabbath breaker, does the law tell me that? What yes, if I take the yes. Lord's name in vain Absolutely. or I worship pagan idols? Does the law, as I look at the law and then I look at myself, does it reveal the things I've got wrong with me? Yes. In fact, the Bible says that the law tells me I'm a sinner. Yes. 
And we're going to look more at this next week where the Bible then says, the wages of sin is, do you know what that is, hunty? Totally, death. Death. So the law tells me I'm a sinner and I'm going to die. But this one, I think this is one of our favourite Bible verses, hunty, both you and me, isn't it? Absolutely. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, go for it. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. God saved you by what, hunty? His grace. What is grace? God's Jesus' free gift to us of salvation. It's a great question. What is grace? I, I think you're right, Andrew, what you just said. But what is it? What story in the Bible best illustrates what grace is? We know what it is for me, Hunty. What's that? It's a story we looked at last week. And I want to look at it again today very quickly. Yep. With that one question, I've looked into the mirror. I've looked at the law. I recognize, I realize I'm a sinner. I know I'm on the way to death. I need grace to save me, but what is grace? Read it, brother. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Okay, stop there for a moment, hunty. Yep. Is she a lawbreaker? Totally. How do we know? Because it says she was committing adultery. And how do we know adultery is a breaking of the law? It's in the commandments. That's right. It's in the commandments. So Specifically if she was to look into the mirror, into the law, she would know that she is a law breaker. breaker. Yep. Correct? Yep. Do you get that, hunty? Totally. So she's a law breaker, but we're looking for grace. Go on. Okay, they put it in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Okay, let's stop there for a moment. The law of Moses and the law of God are two different things. The law of Moses was the law that 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 the the Israelites had in their day to day walk. Do you know what I mean, Hunty? Yep. Like our legislature today. Yep. Yeah. Now their law said that she's caught in adultery; she should be stoned. What about God's law, though? What does that say? It says was she killed. deserving of death or not? No. Well, the yes. wages of sin is death. Totally. So was she deserving of death? Yes. Yes. Whose law was it? Jesus' law. That's right. She is, she had committed adultery. The wages of sin or the wages of breaking this law is death. She was under the sentence of death. But Jesus is not about death. He's about grace. Yeah, life, right, Andrew? Mm -hmm. Grace is beautiful, isn't it? Read on, brother. Yep. They were trying to trap Jesus into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. So Jesus is defending her, Hunt. He loves this. Absolutely love it. Probably, as we, we said last week, writing in the dust their sins, eh? Plus, those miserable <laughs> Pharisees who are just trying to trap Jesus. This is all a plot to bring Jesus down. Yeah, anyway. It's not good. They not stoop- good. So then he stooped down again and he wrote more in the dust. In some, in, in, in some ways, these Pharisees represent the law. Yep. 
Yeah. The law without grace, the law without Christ will kill you. It's a good thing, it's a holy thing, it's the right thing, but without Christ, I tell you what, hunty, it's serious stuff. Yep. It will, it will demand your death. Yep. These Pharisees represented the law, but Jesus is defending her against the condemnation of the law. He's not saying the law is bad, mm. but he's defending her from what the law will do to you if you don't have Christ. So what happens? Well, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one beginning with the oldest until Jesus was left, in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. The only one who could have condemned her was who? Jesus. Jesus. Yep. But he didn't condemn her. He defended her and saved her life. That's... Grace. That's salvation. Yep. Do you get that, hunty? Totally. That is grace. Yep. Grace is Jesus taking your sins upon himself, taking them to the cross, paying the penalty for them on the cross, and looking at you and saying, hey, I don't condemn you. You've given me your sins. I've paid for them. This is grace. He puts his robe, his perfection, his sinless character around, and you are saved. You're, you're wearing Jesus' clothes. This is Jesus' character, and he took your sins. You are saved. That's grace, and that's what he did for this woman. Beautiful. When do you reckon she? Re- when do you think she thought she was saved? She was going to be okay, hunty. In oh, that story. When, when he said, "Go and sin no more," not a second earlier. I think it's when she looked up into his eyes the very first time. Oh yeah. When but- you come to Jesus and you understand the story we've been trying to tell today, hunty. Yep. From the very first time, you'll get it and you'll realise there's hope and there's a way out so that when Jesus comes, you'll be ready for him because of him and no other. i
I see prophecies fulfilled And signs of the times They're appearing everywhere I can almost hear the Father As He says, Son, give your cheer Father in heaven, when you come again, may we be filled with the Holy Spirit, clothed in your righteousness, standing before the law, law, innocent because of your grace, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman, and I'm the Aussie pastor, and I love you. But Jesus, he loves you a whole lot more. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 